0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: You're listening to the best of Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Mahomes in trouble. Gets away. Mahomes racing with the bad angler inside the 20 he's taken down Townsend will hold it 11 seconds left in Super Bowl 57 35 35 tie the kick is good and Kansas City leads 38 35 with eight seconds to go in regulation in Super
2: Bowl 57 here we go all day now some rushers come gonna throw it as far as his arm can take it which is well short and the kansas city chiefs have won super bowl 57 you ready for my crazy
1: thought of the day kevin sure let's get it out of the way early i guess and this is not meant as a negative it's going to come off that way I thought as we listened to Rihanna that the Super Bowl halftime show was appropriate and symbolic of the Super Bowl itself. And by that, I mean very well executed, very talented performer, hitting all of the right marks, but not really a necessary oomph moment that 10 years from now people talk about as the signature play, but a just a very, very good football game and entertaining all the way around and perfectly sufficient.
3: Um, I, I would disagree. I would say we will remember because a woman who was pregnant performed well, at Super Bowl.
1: And that people figured it out
3: halfway through the performance, yes. I mean, that to me, after watching... Uh, Maddie go through a couple pregnancies I cannot even imagine what Rihanna did Last night, I thought it was incredible Um, Her performance, and in general The game, to your point, Jake, sure It definitely lacked the cherry on top Uh, haymakers thrown back and forth I mean, high scoring, both quarterbacks Were excellent Um, Sure, you want to see the Malcolm Butler You want to see the David Tyree play We talked about it leading into Sunday about that building has provided some epic Super Bowl moments, and you just didn't get that at the end. I know James Bradbury, who was called for the holding penalty, said afterwards that he tugged Juju Smith-Schuster, and he thought it was a penalty. Kudos to him for being candid, being honest. I I just felt like so close to the line of scrimmage, that is a flag that you don't throw. I I didn't feel like it impeded juju as much as you know maybe down the field and really if you watch juju on the play jake he doesn't really react usually you see wideouts he'll freak out It, it seemed like a late
1: flag right yeah it seemed very late as well um but boy here's the question though if they didn't call that would it have been pointed out like if they didn't call it would people have been like whoa like
3: i don't think so because again juju didn't really react right um, and it get, typically, you see wideouts you know, go crazy in those moments, looking for that flag, particularly on a third down. But you know, as you watch the game unfold, you're just thinking to yourself, "You, you, you, got to slay the dragon. You can't keep them." No question. Hanging around, and whatever happened at halftime to Mahomes' ankle, and I know so much attention will be put on the second half, but I will go back to that fumble in the first half. I mean Jalen Hurts just kind of gifting Kansas City seven points. It's really a miracle the Eagles had I mean, the Eagles were up ten at halftime
1: and they had gifted. They Kansas should have City been up at seven that point. points. It was fourteen seven at that point, right? Fourteen seven. They were looking they were about to go up twenty one seven, it felt like. And you know, if
3: you go back and look at that sequence, Jake, Philly had a third and one right before the fumble, and they got the false start penalty. So instead of them doing the QB sneak, which, boy, you imagine Shane Steichen bringing that QB sneak look here to the Colts. Colts will never uh, not convert a third or fourth and short in the history of the franchise. Uh, But they get a false start there. So from third and one, it becomes third and six. Now they obviously have to run a normal play. Hertz trying to make a play happen. He drops it, and the fumble return for a touchdown. Like if you're going to tell Nick Sirianni before the game, hey, you're going to score 35, he would sign up for it, but if you also were to tell him you're going to give up the longest punt return in NFL Super Bowl history, and you're going to give up a fumble return for a touchdown that your quarterback drops the ball on, he would have said, oh, we got no shot to win the game. But again, you got to put Kansas City away. You let them hang around, and Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things. Uh, good Monday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dyketon. a whole lot to get to. On this Super Bowl Monday, the latest from the national reports, and I think a lot of this is agent-driven. The Colts are extremely quiet, per usual, as a, you know. Feel like we've kind of warned you, the Colts will not speak on this until pen is put to paper. Uh, but Adam Schefter from ESPN has reported this morning that Shane Steichen expected a fly to Indianapolis this afternoon to make it official as the youngest head coach in Colts history. Correct?
1: Uh, How old is he? He's in his mid 30s, right? 37 years old. Got to be. By the way, um, the Chiefs are very likable. Arrowhead's a great stadium. It's an awesome atmosphere. Players that go there say it's one of the best places to go. People in Kansas City I mean, Kansas City is essentially the same city as Indianapolis if you've never been there. Very similar. Uh, Great people in Kansas City. The you know storied franchise that's been around a long time and has now found some glory here. Patrick Mahomes, nothing about him that you that, to dislike really. Uh, his brother a little much, but mm, and wife. Uh, but is is Travis Kelsey single handedly going to turn them into Patriots fatigue overnight? I think I'd rather hang out with Jason than Travis. Well, I,
3: I guess it depends on what you're going for. If you're having the party of your life, maybe Travis. But if you
1: want to do any other function in your but life, I think the you'd hang out with Jason. But Gronkowski. With Rob Gronkowski, after a couple of years there, I think everybody kind of figured out that Gronkowski was having fun, and we were all kind of in on the joke. Like he knew the character he was playing, and just kind of lived up to it. I think this guy's just naturally a d bag, right? Cocky, sure.
3: I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I know him well enough to throw out the old d bag. Um, but,
1: boy, he's a damn good football player. And him and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's a great
3: player, but... One of the best duos, frankly, what bothers me, in NFL Kevin, history. is he
1: doesn't allow Patrick Mahomes any... Like, after the game, I want to hear from Patrick Mahomes. And, like, the whole time Aaron Andrews is trying to talk to Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey's, like, jumping in, yelling over everything. Yeah, I, I thought we could have done that separate. Totally. I mean, he's, like, gone overboard with it. And the whole, like, us against the world, like, no one believed in us. You're the number one seed, right?
3: Yeah, that was a bit much. He acted like they were UMBC. Totally. Oh, the Houston Texans just won the Super Bowl. That's what he made it sound Uh, like. Totally. Uh, Second youngest head coach. Thank you, Dustin. Uh, Don Shula, 33 in 1963.
1: For Shane Steichen. Everyone thinks of Don Shula with the Colts, of course. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, So I guess youngest head coach in Indianapolis Colts history. When, when, When would you anticipate that we will get I mean, obviously, the Colts are going to dot every i and cross every t before they officially announce Shane Steichen. For those of you that were under a rock in the last 36 hours, um, what? And I saw somebody that like pokes fun at, oh, this is how it always happens. The local guys go, see, we told you this is okay. But I think everybody knew for the last the the last half of last week that this is where things were headed, right? I mean, it. it You and I talked about it on Thursday. it, It appeared as though that was who they were honing in on was Shane Steichen.
3: Yeah, I don't know if anybody cares about this, Jake, but I think how Adam Scheffner has gone about his reporting with this is I think he has simply gotten confirmation from the candidates that have been told no, and he basically just crossed people off the list. Yeah. Oh, okay. The Colts have called Raheem Morris. Okay, the Colts have called Brian Callahan. The Colts have called Jeff Saturday, and by process of elimination, they haven't called Shane Steichen uh, to tell him no. Steichen, for what it's worth, declined comment after the game about this. I could totally understand why he would want to do that. Certainly, it was a heartbreaking second half after being up ten at halftime. Uh, To your point, Jake, when you know expecting finalization, I. You know, part of me thought, hell, Shane Sykin can sign the contract out in Arizona, right? I mean, well, Sh- Schefter says he's flying in today. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I I thought for a second there, I'm thinking, well, Jim Mersey's out there and Pete Ward's out there. I mean, the Colts have a lot of important people at the Super Bowl. If they really wanted to get it done as soon as possible, they could do that out there. Uh, maybe from a legal standpoint, you just want to have him do it here in Indianapolis. I would assume, you know, again, time difference... Uh, He signs the contract later today. Press conference, I guess, could be as early as tomorrow. Yeah. That would seem to make sense um, to me. (laughs) Again, the NFL combine starts two weeks from tomorrow. So you would think um, you'd want to get this process rolling. Um, Gus Bradley has a very uh, direct connection with Shane Steichen. So is this good news in retaining Gus Bradley? On paper, there's a lot to point to that would appear so. Uh, Gus Bradley and Shane Steichen spent four years together with the Chargers in the 2020 season. They actually went up against each other. They both were coordinators for the Chargers. Um, to me, what, what just stands out the most about this hire is the variety of his quarterback background and the fact that he has been with a lot of different styles of quarterbacks, worked very closely with all three of them in Phillip Rivers, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts. The styles of quarterbacks are different. The ages of the quarterbacks are different. And Jake, when you watch Philadelphia last night, I fully expect the Colts to be uber-aggressive under Shane Steichen, to be very plugged in situationally, and I think those are all very important keys to have in a modern NFL. And if you can't get quarterback right, you don't have a chance. And this hire, arguably more than anybody else on the list outside of maybe Brian Callahan, but I think you could argue Sykin's got the more impressive quarterback resume. This gives you the best opportunity at making sure that position
1: turns out to be a win for the Colts. I'm going to ask you a really dumb question here. And truth be told, I don't know that anybody definitively knows this answer, but it probably varies from coach to coach in all honesty. Fourth and one for the Philadelphia Eagles. Or any any team. In your opinion, Kevin, more often than not on a fourth and one, the head coach informs the offensive coordinator that he wants to go for it and therefore the offensive coordinator has the job to pick the play that's going to work or the offensive coordinator is the one that makes the decision they're going for it?
3: Oh, I think it's the head coach.
1: yeah, Because Shane Steichen, you know certainly offensively Philadelphia very aggressive you would imagine that he's going to bring some of that with him as I was and when you assume that the Colts are going to have an altogether new quarterback next year he has worked with different quarterbacks to your point that perhaps offer some glimpse of of the various quarterbacks that he may be working with in Indianapolis, whether it's Bryce Young, whether it's CJ Stroud, whether it's, you know, Will Levis, whether it's Aaron rodgers I mean, there are people he has been with in the past and worked with offensively in the past that would match, but looking at Jalen Hurts, like I was watching that game last night and I was thinking to myself... If I'm Shane Steichen and I'm coming off of this really high-flying offense with Philadelphia led by Jalen Hurts, the guy to me that I would most be intrigued by would be C.J. Stroud. But that's going to depend upon who's available, I guess, when the Colts are picking.
3: A little bit of that, I think the beauty of it, Jake, is he's proven that, again, he has worked with different styles, so you're not necessarily married to exactly one specific style. I think that's easily the biggest attraction to him. I mean, certainly you're going to have questions about age and inexperience, and is he going to call the plays here? You know, I thought one of the issues Frank Reich ran into is too much was on his plate and at times he got away from being a head coach and how much does Shane Steichen look at what Nick Sirianni did in Philadelphia and giving up play calling for those that don't recall Sirianni takes the job in 2021 Shane Steichen is initially just the offensive coordinator not the play caller and about midway through Sirianni's first season there Jalen Hurts' first full season starting Sirianni says I got too much on my plate gives up the play calling duties to Steichen Steichen takes over. Philadelphia at 1.16 of 7. They got in the playoffs. Obviously this year they make a run to the Super Bowl. But how will Steichen handle that here? I'm very curious to see that. Um, Comes from kind of a Norv Turner. That was his initial coaching tree, if you will. Um, That's how he got a start in the NFL. Uh, Played collegiately at UNLV. Was a quarterback there. I'm gonna get. Has been an NFL coach for a little bit over a decade. I don't think a lot of Midwest ties, so this will be a little different for him and his family, two young kids. And again, Shane Steichen reportedly flying to Indy later today to put pen
1: to paper on becoming the next Colts head coach. By, By the way, his first real stop in the NFL, he was working with Rob Chudzinski. Remember him? Sure. Do you know what three quarterbacks he was in charge of? Oh, gosh. He was the offensive quality control coach with the Cleveland Browns. Derek Anderson. Jason Campbell, Brian Hoyer, and Brandon Whedon. Started from the bottom, now I'm here, right? He then right? reported to Chitsinski and said, I'm the offensive quality control coach for an offense that has no quality.
3: I, <laughs> right? I, I did find it interesting. His first job in the NFL, Jake, was on defense. North Turner, son Scott, Played at UNLV, so there was a connection between Norv kind of getting introduced to Shane Steichen at UNLV. And for, you know, a very accomplished head coach in Norv Turner to look at a college quarterback and say, I want you to come be a defensive assistant for me, that's kind of odd. I think just kind of goes to show you the type of intellect that... Steichen clearly has um, seems to be a very, very bright individual. I know he's really close with Philip Rivers, and uh, hopefully we'll get Shane Steichen on later this week. He was a uh, journalism major by the way,
1: journalism and media major.
3: Look at that. Nothing says you're looking to coast through college like like that so <laughs> that's right. I can say that I guess this one uh way too sloppy for the boilermakers.
1: Up at Northwestern? Yeah, I mean. Way too sloppy. Again, I go back to, you know, we've talked about it. Is there a game for Purdue? Would it behoove them to get a game where you just got to put everything on the guards and force them to win for you? Because if you have, and not that Edie had an off night necessarily, but if you don't get good shootings, certainly, out of you know, Fletcher Lawyer, he's kind of gone through like a little bit of a mini slump here. And, and I think we knew that from young backcourt players, but if you don't get that, Consistent play from the backcourt for Purdue. As great as Edie is, you know you put you're susceptible. You're not you're not bad. You're susceptible though. And last night they fell victim to it. We saw turnovers
3: the name of the game. The first half in Bloomington, Uh, you know they obviously had a lot of turnovers against Iowa the other night. Several of those late in the game when it was already decided. Uh, but a big turnover number yesterday. Northwestern ended that game on a 12-1 run. Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer go 2 of 13 with 5 turnovers. Braden Smith had some big-time freshman moments in that one. Northwestern 64-58. Zach Eady had 24, but he had 6 turnovers himself. I thought that was the one of the best you've seen, kind of the double team towards Eady really impact him all season long. Purdue had chances to try and put that game away. um, Brandon Newman, a wide open three to go up nine. It's just a few minutes to go. Missed that. And again, uh, 12-1 run to end it there. Um, Indiana with a kind of a survival game up in Ann Arbor. 62-61 for the Hoosiers on Saturday night. That was one of the uglier final five minutes you'll see from either team. But IU gets one more stop than Michigan- and they win that one. So now that sets up Wednesday night at Northwestern. Indiana-Northwestern for second place in the Big Ten. And Jake, if things go a little awry down the stretch here, that could be a matchup to see who could challenge Purdue maybe.
1: Yeah, how for the about Big Ten Northwestern? Title. I, I mean, for Northwestern to be in this situation, you got to give a lot of credit to Chris Collins. Um, And Indiana, again... What you're seeing out of Indiana, and we've talked about this. I know this is a horse that I've beaten many, many times. But Trace Jackson Davis is outstanding, and they just simply need, as is Zach Eady. Both teams have one thing in common, and Purdue has gotten it more consistently than has Indiana. But they need a secondary piece, right, to run and and Jalen Hood-Shafino now is starting to to play away from home with more consistency, which is what Ind- has put Indiana back into this position, and. Look, Indiana a month ago looked like they were circling the drain and they got that thing clogged and they're playing very well. No doubt about it. This is the Indiana I think that we we anticipated at the beginning of the year.
3: You know, last year there were ugly moments that would end in losses. This year, whether it's Saturday night, whether it was the end of the Rutgers game last Tuesday, you could have ugly moments there but still be able to kind of gut it out. And that's what they were able to get done on Saturday night. So 28-11 and for Trace Jackson Davis. Jalen Huchofino had 21. Nobody else had more than four. But still, Indiana able to get a road win there in the Big Ten. So at Northwestern for the Hoosiers coming up on Wednesday night. And then for Purdue this week, they are at Maryland. That is an early tip on Thursday. What was your favorite commercial? I actually liked the one to start things off. I thought uh, Ben Affleck and... Um, J-Lo and the Dunkin' Donuts I thought was pretty good okay. to start things off yeah that one was solid I like the uh like the Michelob Ultra one the Caddyshack theme okay Breaking now, Bad it, Pop Crunch or whatever it was that called was that good. was good
1: here's the problem with for example there was one that was for I believe it was Ram Trucks that was kind of an innuendo like you thought it was going to be like an, an erectile dysfunction ad and the whole ad is taking you one way, and then at the end, you re- they reveal that it's actually for Ram trucks, right? The problem with ads like that is no one remembers who. I- granted, I just did, but for the most part, you're like, oh, I really liked the the one about such and such, and it's like, well, you're not naming the product. Like there are too many ads that. They try to get so creative and cute, and then you forget what it's for. They they create like a little storyline, and you're like, but what was it for? Oh, uh, the one where the guy got lost. Okay. The one that, that got me, and I saw it was like leaked ahead of time, but the one about the dog. Oh, sure. There were two dog commercials, one was for Amazon. But the one where it shows the little girl getting the, the pet dog, it was for was, the farmer's dog. Yeah, I was, they were the say, I was
3: thinking of what the.
1: But it was an said. effective ad because you knew it was an advertisement for dog owners for uh, about dog ownership. But like it showed the little dog and the lifespan of the dog, and it was like it like made me sad. I mean, I admit it. Like I watched it, and it, it even though nothing happened to the dog, but
3: the 2B streaming one, I thought was pretty good. I literally thought for a moment there that. My TV had good. been turned from the game to that the streaming device. How many, how many how many living rooms in America freaked out for like a second? Like who's sitting on the remote? That's 1,000. Well, remember what I told I you
1: guys one of the best ads that I'd seen was like 10 years ago when all of a sudden it went to color bars and then it said, "We had a creative ad here, but unfortunately we sent it and we didn't send it via FedEx." Mm-hmm. And it was for FedEx and you're like cuz it got everyone's attention, right? I thought Babyface and uh, Chris Stapleton were both really good. Yeah, agree with that. To lead into it, Sirianni had the tears
3: going. Sirianni, very emotional, which we know full well he's an emotional human. I thought the crowd was pretty good. Like, I thought it was like Chiefs, Eagles, I felt like there were strong contingents for both of their fan bases.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of times the Super Bowl becomes a corporate event sure. where it's corporate execs from you know, Madison Avenue as opposed to fans of the respective teams. A lot of Chiefs fans there, obviously, because you could hear it. It's kind of crazy that the Chiefs traded away Tyreek Hill and they won the Super Bowl.
3: What does that tell you? I mean, I don't know. Does it? Well, it tells you Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are quite impressive. Travis Kelsey is a Kelsey's first a... ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah,
1: he, he's a game changer for certain. No question about it. And, you know, they got good play out of out of – you know, Juju Smith-Schuster played really well in the second half. Yeah,
3: he did. You know? He certainly I mean,
1: did. And, and I'll, I'll go back to what I said earlier. So much of it,
3: Jake will be on that penalty, this and that. You cannot afford to hand them seven points like they did on the Jalen Hurts fumble. And then the Canary's Tony punt return. I mean, at one huge. point, if you, I know several people did this on Twitter, if you just stop that, freeze frame it at one point during the punt, I mean, there's like five Eagles around him. And it was a really poor punt. And he reverses field like that. And it's the longest punt return in Super Bowl history there. That's a guy that they went out in midseason and took a chance on him. And, yes, he had a touchdown, which was more, I think, play design than anything. But that was a hell of an individual effort. But they
1: got, they got really – I'm talking about Kansas City. They got really hard-running – Good chunk yardage out of the backfield. Pacheco runs hard, uh, and he's a seventh-round draft pick. And he was really good for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was really, really effective. When they need a big plays, he, he delivered on more than one occasion. Right? Fifteen thought, carries, seventy-five yards, That's what you want. Yeah, I
3: thought they were able to keep that Eagles D line quiet. You know, that's why I picked Philly leading into the game. I thought they'd be able to impact. Mahomes a little bit, and boy, I, for how Mahomes looked walking off that field at halftime, I don't know what happened there in the locker room. You know, a lot of people I think would say, "Oh, that's too much time." Halftime's twenty nine minutes long, and it's enough time to
1: get a cortisone shot. That's not
3: it? good. I don't know if he got shot up a couple times or what, but he came out that first drive of the third quarter, and that was pretty flawless. And obviously, the scramble at the end to put that game on ice. For those that missed it, James Radbury called for that holding penalty on the final third down. Um, He did say after the game, he was pretty honest, he said that was a penalty. I definitely tugged, Um, I guess, good on him for admitting that. I didn't love the call. I didn't like it in particular of where it was on the field. I think within the first five yards, you know, you kind of let a little bit of leeway on that. I agreed with Craig Olson on that play. And I think oftentimes you look to how a wide receiver reacts. And clearly, if you look at the reaction of Juju Smith-Schuster on that play... He didn't really act like he didn't go nuts after the incompletion, and I think he kind of looked at that as that's normal first five yard stuff, and it almost seemed like if you would have asked him
1: in that moment, he would have thought, "Nope, play on." I thought, by the way, to to continue my theme, and I and I actually appreciated this, and it's only because it's I you know it was their parent that pairing's first time doing it. But we have become so accustomed to the Super Bowl being a broadcast team that are household names, you know Buck and Aikman and Al Michaels and you know and Collinsworth and I thought it was they did a really good job. I think I, Olson's pretty good. Olson's very good and, and quite frankly, I, I think Olson is just very conversational and knowledgeable and doesn't upstage anything. And then they're eventually going to put Tom Brady in that position and everyone's going to dislike him. I think you just stay with what works, right? Yeah, and I'm glad that Brady's going to you know, take another year because right. I'll, I'll enjoy
3: Olson that top team. Um, if Pacheco scores, like if he does not fall down... Boy, and he was about to. ...there at the end, and Kansas City goes up seven, if the Eagles go down and score, do they go for two in the win?
1: Yes. I, I honestly thought when there were like two and a half minutes left... At that point, I was like, you know what? Philly's got to let him score right here. Before it gets so late in the game that it's obvious you're going to let him score, you need to just let him score. Once it became third
3: and whatever it was, eight or nine, I was like, okay, here's a chance to get a stop here, actually.
1: Yeah, but then that that penalty was. But obviously, the the penalty ended it.
3: And, you know, I thought there was a point when Kansas City scored and they kicked the extra point to go up eight. I thought, wow, is Kansas City going to go for two here to go up nine? Right, it almost just seemed like whichever I, team kind of, really, whichever team had the
1: ball last. I just felt like late in the game, Kevin, that that last drive. I understand the penalty, and, and I I give them credit for for throwing the fly. I mean, a penalty's a penalty, but I just think there were a lot of people that were disappointed because it had been such an entertaining game, and then for it to end where you've been. You know when you ride the beast at Kings Island. And then at the very end of it, you get towards the platform where you get off. And it and then like the hydraulics come on. And then it's just like, and you're just waiting. You're kind of coasting the last 100 yards at like two miles an hour. That's what that game felt like. You've been on this wild ride of fun and excitement and fireworks for two hours. And then the last five minutes of the game, you're waiting for what everyone knows is going to happen. And that is, oh, okay, it's going to come down to... I'm looking at the clock here, and they're going to have eight seconds after this field goal, and okay, Kansas City's going to win. It kind of turned into we're walking to the foul line now. Correct. That's a good way of saying it. That's pretty much how
3: I thought the game ended. But still, terrific up until that point. Haymakers back and forth. 38-35, one of the highest scoring Super Bowls, I think, ever. Uh, 35 points the most for a losing team in Super Bowl history. You were hoping for a close game, though, and you got that. Certainly. Certainly. And after what, you know, Mark, you mentioned this on Friday, what we had, divisional round and championship round. Mm-hmm. We got, I think, what we wanted, albeit didn't have that one moment there in the final minute. There is.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Trouble in paradise. Todd Meyer, executive producer of this station, diehard Purdue fan, just came in, said that the inability to hold on to the basketball for Purdue is an area of concern and he is now predicting that Indiana is going to win the Big Ten. He just came in here and said, "Well, get the banner ready." Was that reverse psychology? I, he Nobody he was cares. just asking me if I have any extra IU basketball shirts. He's like, "You got any extras laying around? I need How to. They they I'm ready line. to convert." Well, let's l- let's pose this question to
3: Bob Kravitz. Bob Kravitz <laughs> joins us now from the Athletic. Bob,
1: on February 13th, the
3: percentage chance you give Indiana of winning the Big Ten is what?
2: Ten uh, percent. Ten percent. I think. I think Purdue's just fine. This is a blip in the road. I think you know the freshmen. Freshmen are starting to act like freshmen a little bit. You know, certainly Braden Smith. Um, But yeah, I I still. Now, if you ask me, who's going to go further in the NCAA tournament? I think it's going to be Indiana. Yeah, And and you said that last week to us. Oh really am I just repeating myself oh no, no. <laughs> what
3: I was trying to say is you you have been you've been saying this before what we saw with yeah. Purdue at Northwestern right. and what Indiana did last week
2: yeah I, I thought Indiana's victory was so so impressive because they really played their B game uh, they went into a hostile hostile territory uh, against a team that absolutely had to win and they, they knocked them off they didn't play great. But they beat them. And if you can start beating teams on the road, in the Big Ten, not playing your best, you know you got something special brewing. Bob,
1: let's stick with Indiana here. Kevin and I have talked about the fact that, you know, Trace Jackson Davis is having a remarkable year. And they simply needed, it felt like from an Indiana standpoint, they needed a consistent Robin. And each guy kind of took their turn. Is Jalen Hood Shafino now finally turned the corner of finding that consistency?
2: Yeah, I think he has. You know, I mean, again, freshman or freshman, he's still he's still not consistent, especially on the road. You go back to the Maryland game, a couple other games where he really struggled. But I, you know, I, I look at him, and you know, I talk to NBA people, and he's he's probably the highest rated NBA guy uh, on on that team. Um, you know, even higher trace sure Jackson Davis. I, I think they look at him as a real player, you know, rotation player at the very least uh, in, the, in the NBA. So, yeah, I, I, I think he's turned the corner. I think it took him a couple of games after Xavier Johnson got hurt. What's going to be interesting is if and when Xavier does come back, how, is, how does all of that play out? Yeah,
3: I think that is a huge question um, and a fair one to ask. And Bob Kravitz with us here from The Athletic. Ah, uh, Bob, on the Shane Steichen front, is it? Are you under the impression that we could get final word? That this is a done deal later today.
2: Yeah, that's that's my sense. Uh, apparently, he he's coming to India, or he's already in India. I don't have one of those flight trackers, but <laughs> but because uh, uh, that's what it's come to in, in today's journalism. But uh, uh, yeah, I expect some today. Uh, whether the press conference will be later today. Uh, or tomorrow, I don't know. All I know is clearing my calendar and uh, concentrating on Shane Steichen, who I think it is, you know, you look at his background with quarterbacks. Not only has he worked with Rivers, uh, Herbert, and yeah, Belfiore, It was a long, it was a long day yesterday, uh, but he's worked with different types of quarterbacks. He's worked. With guys who work from the pocket. He's worked with running quarterbacks. So I think that was, you know, that was probably the best option for them to get kind of a young, state of the art quarterback whisperer and just hope that, you know, I mean, that sounds like Frank Reich, basically, but you hope that he's more, a little bit more of a leader of men, that he's able to hold people accountable because that seemed to be the thing that uh, ownership. I uh, had the biggest problem with was the lack of accountability.
3: Bob, what do you think um, Jeff Saturday will be doing in three or four months?
2: I think they'd like to keep him somehow. You know, and, and look, you don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't have an offensive line coach right now, correct?
3: Yeah, uh uh-huh. Sounds like Chris are going. He, I just don't think Saturday, I, I, I don't know if the Saturday ego would revert to position coach.
2: Yeah, I don't know either, and you know I haven't talked to him about that. It really depends on how deeply, you know, whether this is an all or nothing proposition or if he's just trying to get his foot in the door in a very unusual way. Um, I think three months from now he's back on the set of ESPN.
1: Yeah,
3: that's that,
2: what I think. That, 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 that's my guess, but uh, you know, uh, it, he tried. <laughs> God bless him, he tried.
1: You know, I think the interesting thing, I guess, for Bob Kravitz, by the way, who is our guest on the Payless Secrets Hotline, or you, Kevin, and that is Shane Steichen. I mean, who does he bring in as an offensive coordinator? You know, who, who's... Well, I
3: think that's a question I have is, like, will he call plays? Because right. to Bob's point, I, and, and this is something I've said before, I think something. I think Frank just got two and overs head with the play calling an offense and lost track of being
2: a head coach at, well, at, yeah, at times. That's, that's entirely possible, and, and I think likely... Um, you look at what Nick Sirianni Cer- did. Nick, uh, when he got to Philadelphia, he started out as the play caller. And I think it was in 2021, he gave the play calling over to Shane Steichen so he could take more of a uh, 3,000 foot view of the game and be more of a game manager and be more involved with special teams, defense, and the offense. So I, I've always been, I've always preferred that the head coach just be the head coach. But you know it works for some people. You know, Andy Reid calls the plays, and he's doing all right. So I just think it takes a, a better a veteran coach to really pull that off. I, with a first time guy, I don't know what a great how great of an idea that necessarily is. You know, Bob.
1: Whenever you have a young coach that, and you know, by all account, if it's Shane Steichen, it appears as though that's the case. So a young guy that's that's a first year coach. What areas do you think it's critically important that the franchise make sure they then get hires around him right? In other words, Gus Bradley, it would appear, is going to be retained yes. as the D coordinator. How important is it to have kind of older guard guys maybe around a younger head coach to provide that professional footing early?
2: Yeah, I think I think that's a big thing. Uh, you know, who those who those people would be, I, I don't know, but... Um, yeah, for a first-time coach, uh, I want him, I, I want, you know, I mean, obviously Vic Fangio is available, but, you know, guys like that, guys who are a little long in the tooth, who have, uh, you know, gone through the wars in, in the NFL and, and know know the landscape. So I think that, that would be a great idea.
3: Yeah, and you saw Wade Phillips and Sean McVay, you know, back when he took the Rams job a few years right. ago. Again, Bob Kravitz with us here from The Athletic. Bob, last one on the Colts front for me, and I guess I got two do you think Jim Merce listened to the fan base at all in regards to Jeff Saturday and then two what are your thoughts on how Jim Merce has let Chris Ballard handle this head coaching hiring process
2: yeah I think this is a really clear sign or at least a hopeful sign that uh, Chris Ballard uh has you know retained some of his power that maybe he lost you know maybe I'm going too far and reading too much into it but you know, look, if it was Jim Merce, um it would have been Jeff Saturday. It would have been Jeff Saturday. But uh, I think it shows that Ballard, I mean, this was clearly a very, very thorough, uh, uh, you know, investigation into these guys. I mean, 12 and 13, 14-hour interviews, for God's sake. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think it shows that Ballard maybe has some of that power back because I don't think that this is – no, you know, I would have loved to have been a fly on that meeting when when Ballard went in and said, uh, hey, uh, Mr. say uh, I think I've got my guy. You know, uh, I don't know what the reaction would have been, but uh, I think it's good that Jim gets the hell out of the way. And do you believe, Bob,
1: by all account, if it's Shane Steichen, it would appear that's the case? It but, would. But do you think that that's exactly what took place, or do you think there were long discussions?
2: I think really long discussions. I, I mean, look, you don't, you don't take Jeff Saturday out of the studio at ESPN and bring him in for just an eight-game uh, audition. I, I think Jim really hoped that it would work. Does he listen to the fans? I, I think he's aware of what the fans are saying. I think he's very aware of what the media is saying. I think he's smart enough to understand that if he had hired Saturday – all hell broken loose. So, did that have any impact? I don't know. Um, but, you know, I mean, he does things instinctually, and sometimes, you know, the the fans didn't want to get rid of Peyton Matt and he did that, so you, you never know. Bob, you, Bob Kravitz is our
1: guest. He's on the Payless Ziggers Hotline. He is with The Athletic. Um, I think you probably know Jim Ursay as well as anybody that covers the Colts in this market. As a matter of fact, I don't think that. I know it. I mean, you know him better than anybody. Um, do you believe that this is a, diff- a different Jim Ursay than even during the Frank Reich go round? Have things changed with Jim Ursay?
2: Uh, we'll, we will find out, won't we? You know, uh, r- right now, I mean, th- this one move tells me that maybe he took a step back. But if. They draft a the quarterback, and he's god-awful through the first four games. You know, is that when Jim Merce suddenly appears, sees his shadow, and says, we're going to make a quarterback change? So I'll believe it when I see it. I-, I think he went on a real weird hour trip there for a while that was almost, you know, it was hard to understand where it came from. But he went on this power trip. And I think, you know, destroyed whatever small chance that team had to be competitive. Um, now, whether he'll continue to do that, we can only hope so.
3: And Bob Kravitz with us from The Athletic. Bob, one of your latest up there on the Pacers and the trade deadline and Kevin Pritchard's comments from late last week. What did you make of what the Pacers did or maybe didn't do? Although it sounded like. They
2: tried to make some big deals. They tried to make some big deals, but you know everybody wanted Ananobi. Everybody wanted John Collins, and all those guys stayed exactly where they were before the deadline. So, you know, and, and there's not there's not much that they can offer outside of those. The, the, you know, the 27th and the 29th pick. Um, certainly, because they're the below, below the salary cap, they can take on salary, but I. It, what happened was what expected to happen, which was a little tinkering around the edges. You know, uh, Jason uh, Jason Jordan Moore, um is a guy they've liked for many years, over the three years he's been in the league, and they liked him at Louisville. Um, you know, maybe he ends up being like an Aaron Neesmith, a guy who got buried on a really good team, who comes here, gets an opportunity, and plays much better than you ever would have expected. So, you know, why not take a $3.4 million flyer on him? George Hill will be a great uh, locker room guy and a great, uh, you know, great for the community. Um, You know, hopefully he retires here. So, and they gave up nothing. So, you know, it was a, they, they tinkered. They were neither buyers nor sellers. And I really think, and I've said this before, I think Halliburton getting hurt, And them losing, what, 10 out of 11. Now it's, I think, 15 out of 17 or something like that. It's the best thing that could have happened to this franchise. Yeah. Because because if if he had stayed healthy, and and Pritchard acknowledged this, if he had stayed healthy and they had continued on the same trajectory that they were when they were 23 and 18, they would have had a really hard time resisting the temptation to go out and get a veteran to get him over the top. To get them in whatever the seventh seed or the eighth seed or the playing game, and I'm glad that didn't happen. This is this is unfolding exactly the way the Pacers would have wanted. In that their young guys are developing really nicely. I'd like to see a few of them get a few more minutes. Isaiah Jackson, but you know they're they're really developing. They're playing pretty well. They're competitive and they're losing just enough. Where they're now, I think top or Bob five uh, for Wemban and make no mistake, this is a really deep draft.
1: You know, Bob, I was a little the the one area that surprised me a little bit was the fact that they held on to because they have the two late first picks and the first pick to begin the second or, or one of the first picks to begin the second round. So they're going to have three picks between, like, picks 25 and 32 in the mm-hmm. draft. I, I thought maybe Indiana would try to flip one of those uh, to get, like, another young piece. Maybe now you, you go through it in the draft, and then you've got to kind of juxtapose your, your roster to make room for it. But, you know, I just I commend them for not getting too aggressive and right. buying in too much to what we saw the first half of the year, and it sounds like you agree with that.
2: Oh, absolutely! I, you know, I, I, like I said, I said to Pritchard, I said, you know, I, I, we we had a, you know a conversation. I said, <laughs> like I said before, this is the best thing that could have happened. You get you you get both things you want. You get you find out that you've got young players who you can win with, and you're you know they clearly need another piece, uh, you know, in terms of high-end talent. They need two, or three. Mostly that one, and that's a, the guy that they can pick in the top five or top six, or, you know, who knows? Who knows? I mean, if you go in there with a 9 or 10% chance, you could be t- bring home Wimbanyama, and suddenly Indiana becomes becomes the center of the basketball universe
3: yeah i mean it's funny you say that bob you think back to last year like if you don't finish with the sixth <laughs> overall pick are you drafting johnny davis at 10 oh, you know he's now in the
2: g league right
3: you know it's just crazy how when you look at you know the pecking order of draft classes how things can change particularly early in the lottery uh bob i assume we'll be looking for something to change second related from you
2: yeah yeah i'm just trying to get in touch with some folks uh with some background, we'll find out at the press conference is today, and uh, we'll go from there.
0: Thank you, Bob. All right. Thank you, guys. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
3: Mark Noah, no disturbia last night. I know. I, I thought was she was like, going to end with that. I thought so too, but that just tells you how deep our catalog is. Air like catalog, so many is hits. Yeah, I would say Jake for like Mark and I's age group. That is like peak
1: college anthem rihanna yeah i could see that i mean again you you know i was thinking about this yesterday and this is the ultimate challenge in booking something like that and the ultimate compliment to someone like rihanna and that is who can you get to do a super bowl halftime show that you know people in their 20s are excited about and then people in their 50s and then their 70s at the very least know of the songs and most for the bat for the most part her every song that she sang i was like wow i know exactly what this is but it was you know predates me a little bit right uh, it's impossible to appease everybody we can't yeah, even agree on what style doritos we truthfully like. the one entertainer that they've had in the, I mean, you you could always go with like the classics, right? That you know, the Prince when he was living. But you're gonna get twenty but or thirty year olds that'll bitch and moan about that. that. That's true. Um, the one entertainer that I have always felt is, I'm not saying that everybody loves this person, but I don't think you find many people that that can't stand them. And most people are like, okay, uh, the entertainment level is there, is Bruno Mars. Sure. I think he's a great entertainer.
3: And you and I have talked about this a lot, Jake. I have, I'm not like obsessed with really one genre of music, but you have such an appreciation for the entertainment level that they're able to execute. Totally. When you show up to those. Events Uh, Again, Shane Steichen, that is reportedly going to be the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He would be the youngest head coach in Colts, Indianapolis Colts history at the age of 37 years old. I think that would make him the third youngest in the NFL right now behind Sean McVay and Kevin O'Connell, two guys that have had pretty good success uh, in their respective stops, even though O'Connell's only been in Minnesota for a year. You know, Jake, I think... Something that I like about Steichen that I think he would bring here or at least try to impart on Chris Ballard is if you look at Philadelphia last night, and you could, I think, make a case of the Eagles had they won the the game. Jalen Hurts probably is the MVP. I could have made a pretty strong case for A.J. Brown. Yeah. And if you look at what Philadelphia has at their skill positions, and Devontae Smith is a top 10 pick, And Dallas Goddard as a second-round tight end. I mean, if you look at Miles Sanders, they actually drafted him pretty high as a running back. They go out this year. They make the trade for A.J. Brown. They have not messed around with making sure that their skill group offensively is loaded and versatile and dynamic. And I mean, if you look at the A.J. Brown touchdown, that is just one dude just being better than those Chiefs DBs. It was a great throw by Hurts. But A.J. Brown, you watch him, he high points, finds the ball, He makes a great play on it in the air, scores that touchdown. I think with Frank Wright, Jake, you got times where he walked into the kitchen, looked at the ingredients in the cupboard, and said, okay, I'm good. Whereas I think Shane Steichen's history could be a little bit more, I walk into the kitchen, and I'm going to write some things down on the grocery list that we need.
1: Well, somebody asked me last night, Jake, if Shane Steichen's the guy, does this mean that we're going to see more quarterback draws, uh, going forward on sneaks and fourth and one, and I'm like, yeah, but you got to understand, a lot of that has to do with the ro- the personnel. I think the aggression is always going to be there. It, it, understood, but what I'm saying is, in terms of like, uh, for example, using Jalen Hurts in draw situations, a, a, a big part of that is facilitated by the fact that you've got to be aware of both guys on the edge because they have dynamic playmakers. Lining up I mean, you know in other words, you can't just completely stack the box because you gotta worry about what's what then gets behind you. And I don't know that Shane Steichen looks at Indianapolis and says, I've got receivers here that are gonna keep every defense falling no, back a little no bit. No chance.
3: I mean hell, tight ends too. You know, I, I think
1: to that you no, know, I hate to say that Michael Pittman when he was drafted that Jalen Hurts was on the board, but
3: Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of debate, I think, internally over at West 56 about that one. Um, to the question that – you said that was a friend that asked you that, Jake? Like, what, what type Correct. of offense would they run? I, that, I think, is a little bit of the beauty in getting Steichen. It's that if you look at where he's been, and, again, was Philip Rivers' position coach for several years, was his, I think, interim OC late in that 2019 season. Him and Rivers remain close. When you think of a Phillip Rivers offense, Jake – I don't think it looks like the offense you saw last night. And that's the beauty of it. He's called plays for a Rivers offense. He's been a part. That's probably where most of his coaching background comes from. North Turner and that Chargers offense. And then Anthony Lynn gets the job with the Chargers. He keeps Shane Steichen on staff. They draft Justin Herbert, six overall. And if you go back to Herbert's first season, remember the crazy... Tyrod Taylor injection story? Like Tyrod Taylor, the Chargers medical team injected him with the wrong thing and he couldn't play in the game? I do remember that. So, Herbert was not the starter his rookie season initially. Then you have that freak accident with Tyrod Taylor. Herbert starts week two, and he ends up being just too good to take out of the lineup. And that is what Shane Steichen calling plays. And obviously Herbert is a much different quarterback than Rivers. Herbert has... 30 touchdowns, 10 picks. He's the Offensive Rookie of the Year. A great season. So with Rivers, it's one offense. With Herbert, it's different. And then with Jalen Hurts, it goes to another level in what their offense has looked like over the last two years. And obviously, if you look at what's happened since Steichen has taken over the play calling in Philly, they get on a run to make the playoffs last season, the 2021 season. And then this year, Hurts is probably the MVP if he doesn't get hurt and they are just a player or two away from winning the Super Bowl. It's that variety of, like, I don't know exactly what offense the Colts are going to be getting in Shane Steichen because he's been a part of so many different offenses and different quarterbacks, styles, ages, etc. And to me, I think that is what is attractive because he has proven to be adaptive to who is under center. And I think too many times we get stubborn coaches that force-feed a system upon a player and you mark and i had this debate during one of the earlier breaks jake like which quarterback is he going to be attracted to in the draft you could compare all those quarterbacks to all three that he's worked with here in the nfl
1: you and i disagree on this you know the quarterback in the draft to me that most resembles jalen hurts and that's cj Stroud. i know you said bryce young earlier i I think C.J. Stroud is a Philip Rivers-type pocket passer with legs. I think Stroud, correct, but that's what I'm saying. Like I think you can design plays for C.J. Stroud very similar to what you see in Jalen Hurts. You know, one aspect of Jalen Hurts, by the way, I want to go back to that I think is so underappreciated. And if you are driving right now, I realize we're probably an hour past the age where people would be in the car with their kids on the way to school, but if you have middle school age kids or high school age kids that participate in sports, then what you should be saying to them tonight at dinner or last night when you were watching the Super Bowl is, you see that guy for the Eagles that probably would have been, well, undeniably would have been the Super Bowl MVP if Philadelphia had won and might have been the Super Bowl MVP regardless. But you see that guy on the field? That's a guy that when he was in college was a starting quarterback that was playing for a national championship that got pulled midway through the game. And when the guy that he got pulled for went in and threw a touchdown pass to win the game, he was, Jalen Hurts, the very first player to exuberantly jump up and down and go and congratulate and tackle the quarterback that just yanked him out of the the starting roster. Now, he transferred, granted, but in that moment, he was the ultimate team player whose focus was on winning. That's all he cared about was winning. He didn't care about his whether or not he was the game-winning quarterback in that game. He cared about the fact that his team won the game. And when you look last night, that guy is the ultimate leader, and that's what you want. You want kids to be able to look at a Jalen Hurts and learn that sometimes when a coach makes a decision, it's for the best of the team, and you respect that decision as opposed to sulking about yourself. And it paid off for him in the long run because he's going to make a ton of money and he is a guy that embodies winning, even though his team didn't win last night.
3: Yeah, I think it's worth repeating to you. I couldn't agree more on Hurts. And you, you see the son of a coach in him. Correct. And he's that. You certainly see that. But I thought a great moment that Shane Steichen had was just on the careless, frankly awful, fumble return for a touchdown. That is a moment where you can sulk... That is a moment that how do you not let yourself walk to the bench and think, oh my gosh, I just handed Kansas City seven points. Shane Sykin immediately comes back to Jalen Hurts, and the first play after that fumble is a design run for Hurts. Not worried about your ball security, not worried about you, you know, whatever, taking a hit or you being hesitant. We're going to continue to do what we do, and I have the utmost faith in you. And I want to say the very next play after that first down run following the fumble, I think they took another shot deep. And there were some questions entering the game about Hurts' shoulder. I mean, that was a worry that I had. I, I ended up you know, picking the Eagles, but I was like, man, is Hurts totally there? That shoulder had no issue. And he made some big-time throws, whether it was down the field, those balls to Dallas Goddard. Yeah, this is, a, uh, this is a Super Bowl matchup, Jake, that would not shock me at all if we saw it again.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's... Certainly fair for both standpoints, right? Uh, I know Casey, wanted Mark, Casey, want to talk about the Eagles?
3: Yeah, I want to know about their offensive personnel compared to the whether it was coaching or whether it's actually the personnel that's built uh-huh. around them. It's a fair question. What's up, Casey?
2: Yeah, Kevin, I mean, to your point on the offensive personnel, how much of this coaching staff in Philadelphia, who's only been there two years, played a role in it versus Hallie Roseman being aggressive and... Will Chris Bauer be aggressive no matter who the coach is and they go after personnel like
3: that? Yeah, it's a terrific question. It's a terrific question. I think he has a coach that will be more demanding of wanting that personnel. I think Frank Reich was too content. I think Frank Reich looked at himself too often and thought, I can make it work. And I think that is that was an issue. I think you will have hopefully a GM that's been humbled a bit and realized that, wow, we could probably use a little bit more at those spots um, so there is an element in jake of like again how much is the personnel how much is it not but at the same time jalen hurts wasn't a top 50 pick I mean, you had to develop him himself and i think they've done that they've certainly helped him from a personnel standpoint but they've also developed him as a quarterback they've catered to him offensively i think they've done some things to put him in a really
1: really advantageous situation and The point that we were talking about earlier as well, if Shane Steichen's the guy that's coming to Indianapolis, there were multiple reports that the Colts have said, we're not going to let other teams call Gus Bradley because we have coaching candidates that would be interested in having Gus Bradley stay on as the defensive coordinator. Uh, it would appear as though Shane Steichen would be one of those guys.
3: Yeah, he has history with Gus Bradley. again, four years with the Chargers, they both were coordinators against each other, if you will, with the Chargers in the 2020 season. And I, I do think, Jake, it's worth noting that, while I understand why the Colts would want to keep Gus Bradley, I do think they need to let Shane Steichen handle the defensive coordinator process however he wants to handle it. I don't want to see anybody forced upon... Shane Sykin. I mean, he is the head coach, and yes, he has history with Gus Bradley. Um, I think their relationship is pretty good, so I, I maybe that will be the route that he wants to go down, but I also feel like you need to make sure that you let the head coach pick and choose the staff members that he wants to choose, and if he wants to vet a few more candidates at that defensive coordinator spot, by all means, I'll be curious to see if Bubba Ventrone is retained. And what about Reggie Wayne? I saw Reggie Wayne was in the Ursae suite for a brief period last night at the Super Bowl. Will he be brought back?
1: That's a good one because he's got a year left on the deal, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, a year left on that contract.